1: Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packet a Podcast. You can get all your Packet A updates by following us on Twitter at Packet a Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host Andrew Mertig. It is a Friday. We are excited to be back. How in the world are you doing, Andrew? Yes, it is great to be back. This is episode
2: 1115. If we continue with the trend, there's only 115 I care about in Packers history. The late, the great Bart Starr. Um, But we'll we'll bypass that because there's a lot of things to be very, very excited about, Kyle. We are one day away from the first preseason game in two years. So mm. we're going to get to see the debuts of two different rookie classes in the preseason. Yeah. We're also going to see Lambeau field Lambo fields full for the first time in like a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer than that. So that is really exciting. It's kind of hard to believe, honestly, that we're, we're where we are at right now in the calendar year. It's already the middle of August, and uh, football is about to be here. One quick note, I went to family night. You may have seen nice. my picture on Twitter. Yeah, I sat yeah. in row two uh, it was not sold out. I mean, it probably was sold out. It was not full because okay. uh, the torrential downpours oh, got yeah, yeah. quite wet sitting there. <laughs> um, there was a storm morning before and then a storm morning that kind of ended festivities early. So um, that was a bummer, especially having the, the kind of cool seats that I got for that event. Yeah, but yeah. it was nice to see the Packers practice because I haven't been able to make it out to training camp. Like so many of our colleagues with the Pack a Day podcast, so um, it was it was awesome to get you know kind of the up close and personal view and get a little bit of taste of football that we haven't had in quite a while. Did you have any uh, Lambo leap assists there from the second row? There were no Lambo leaps. Okay. I'm still not sure that the Packers are going to allow Lambe yeah. Leaps during the year just because of COVID. Yes. Um, there also was kind of the fact that the offense was sort of duds the whole night. <laughs> uh, the defense was kicking their butts pretty profusely. Nice. Also, I don't remember a live action touchdown coming into our end zone. So that mm-hmm. may have been a factor, but even on the other end, I don't think they were doing land Leaps. So that's something that's, you know, I know I tweeted about it, but I think it's been a little under the radar that potentially the Packers could kind of self-ban yeah, leaps yeah. to keep their players healthy.
1: Obviously would be a big bummer, a traditional thing that we like uh, there as a way of celebrating there with the Packers. But Andrew, you have gotten me excited successfully on this intro to the podcast, talking yes. about football that is here uh, just on the cusp. We're getting ready to get started. It has been a long offseason. We've made the most of it. We've had some great conversations leading up to this, but my goodness, to be here um, on the doorsteps of actual football is a pretty, pretty exciting thing to uh, have arrived at. But today... On the show, we wanted to do something just a little bit different because we've been busy uh, previewing the Packers 2021 schedule over the past couple of months. And then last week, we were super excited to be joined by Ben Solak on the Friday show. So if you missed that one, go back, make sure you give it a listen. Fantastic stuff, as always, from Ben. But with all that going on, we really discussed that we haven't shared a lot of our own thoughts on this roster and certain players who have our attention here in training camp. And so with that first preseason game just around the corner, we wanted to highlight some of the guys that we will be keeping our eye on through this preseason as this 2021 roster really begins to take shape.
2: Yeah. And I just wanted to point out to the listeners, I tried really, really hard to convince Kyle to let me do key matchups and X factors, which is what (laughs) our show design is during the entire season. Right. Unless the Packers play on Thursday night, then we have a game breakdown. But for weekend games, uh, we do key matchups and X factors. I really, really was pounding the table to do it. (laughs) But Kyle told me nobody is going to care what the key matchups and X factors are in a preseason game. That's right. Uh, But, you know. I think I, I think that there's some really interesting matchups out there against the team the Packers play on Saturday.
1: It's gonna be which really
2: is fun. An NFL team.
1: It is an NFL team. The, we play an NFL Texans? team. It is, is the, the Houston, Houston Texans? Texans. I'm yeah, really okay. glad that you pulled that out because my producer well. was fumbling for his phone. <laughs>
2: I, I would really hope that the Packers match up well against the Texans' first stringers while the Packers are playing their second stringers, because that's barely an NFL team. Yeah. Anyways, enough about Houston. Uh, let's go to the players we're watching this offseason, and especially big eyes on the preseason. And number one is Jordan Love. And I just I want to caution listeners, not every pick is going to be this obvious, but I would be. <laughs> remiss if I didn't mention Mr. Love. He's probably at the top of everybody's list. Of course, so much has been said about Jordan Love. But to me, this is really fascinating for a lot of reasons. Number one, will Aaron Rodgers get hurt this year and force Love into a starting role anyways? Uh, Number two, will Love show enough promise the Packers give in to Rodgers trade demands without as much resistance as we would normally expect? And they just say, see you later, Aaron. Thanks for your service. If Rodgers is great again and wants to come back, is Love good enough to fetch premium draft compensation? I think, you know, will Love look rough in the preseason and then tank his value in the Packers front office loses their trust in him going forward? Like, all of these are legitimate questions and all of these are potential possibilities for what could happen. This is all kind of highly dramatic stuff. And personally, I cannot wait to see him Um, you know, and speaking, you know, I was at family night, right. I mentioned that in, in the scrimmage slash monsoon Jordan love looked pretty rough and I'm really hoping to see a terrific performance from him this Saturday to give him confidence to launch him forward. I know that was really his first action inside of Lambeau field. Um, the the inclement weather probably factored into it, but, you know, just to see him get off to a strong start build up that confidence. He's going to play so much over these next three weeks. And and I think this is going to be a really great opportunity to see if he can handle the pressure, even if he's not great. Just saying, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks struggle early on and then still develop into really great players. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Um, so let's not give up on Jordan if he has some early struggles, but I, I would just really hope that he can come out in the preseason, and
1: put up some really good performances. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone's going to be looking for Jordan Love. And again, with no preseason last year, I mean, this is it's been a long time coming, right? Like this is his feature. This is our opportunity. And it's going to make this preseason that much more fun to me maybe than any other preseason because you have all these layers added in. So uh, wishing nothing but the best for Jordan Love. And you're right. A lot of grace needs to be given as he works out the kinks. And really, the game management piece of it and the flow is going to be a big thing. You can have flashes in practice, but when you get into those drives and those kinds of things, it'll be really fun to see how he navigates all that. So, lots of fun. It's going to be great come Saturday. Uh, Kylan Hill is my first name here, and I don't know if you've heard, but Kylan Hill has quietly had a really, <laughs> really good camp. But um, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's almost a hush. He's quietly had this amazing, amazing camp. But in all seriousness, his consistency has been remarkable for someone who's a seventh-round rookie, um, and he seems at least so far like he might actually run away with that third spot on the running back depth chart. And Hill is someone that I think through the process – I thought would go a lot higher than the very, very end of the draft. Uh, But luckily, he did fall all the way to that seventh round, and the Packers were able to swipe him up. And he has not disappointed by all accounts. And Jones taking care of a hamstring injury right now, and Dylan not really needing a lot of preseason wear. Um, on his body i I would guess that we will see a fair amount of hill over these next couple of weeks and if he's able to continue showing up like he has in camp i think he not only makes this roster but may even contribute early in a limited role so excited to see where kylan hill uh, can take his stock over the next couple weeks yeah,
2: Kylin Kylan Hill obviously somebody that we want to see. I'm really excited about Patrick Taylor Jr. Yeah. as well. Yeah. He he's been my dude since they picked him up as an undrafted rookie and and I think he could be a really, really nice combination with Kylan Hill. Um and I I I had talked on Twitter a little bit earlier in the week about potentially the Packers carrying four running backs. Yeah. Um and I think it was Jacob Wessendorf who had had picked Uh, or had pointed out that because the Packers are going to have essentially an extra roster spot with Jay Sternberger starting um, as an ineligible player due to a suspension, they would have that extra roster flexibility and then maybe they, you know, see what happens, but a lot of talent there in that running back room. Sure. Um, The next player on my list is KB and Ento, the cornerback. And, you know, I I mentioned also on Twitter earlier this week, ironically, uh, the Packers outside cornerback position is pretty shallow after Jair Alexander. We, we definitely expect Kevin King and Eric Stokes to fight it out for a cornerback two and three. And I think both of them have have the talent to be sufficient. We know Kevin King is an average starting second corner in the league, maybe mm-hmm. slightly above average, um, but certainly always room for improvement there. And, you know, we hope Stokes catches on, but most rookie corners struggle. And so you have KB Nento, Josh Jackson, Stanford, Samuels, the third and Kadar Holman all on uh, in, in a big battle for for that fourth corner, that outside corner. Ento looked really great at family night. He had a couple of really big pass breakups. And what I loved was seeing Jair Alexander running out on the field, jumping around, slapping Ento in the helmet, uh, <laughs> just being really excited for his teammate. And so, you know, it, it, it just goes to show you, I think Jair is just an excitable dude and loves when his fellow defensive backs make plays. But when guys have bonds and, and guys show what they can do, um, it's nice to see them getting recognized. And, you know, I, I would almost say, Ento has the highest upside of anybody there. And, that, and that's saying something to me because I'm a big Stanford Samuels guy, especially coming out as UDFA last year. Um, and Hallman was a draft pick. So, um, you know, I think I think there's some, some serious potential and upside with that. You know, slot corner looks like it's going to end up being Shannon Sullivan and then, you know, maybe Shamar Jean Charles as the backup there. Mm. So there's probably only room for one. Of Ento, Josh Jackson, Samuels, and Hallman on the 53. Somebody's, one or two of those guys probably sneaks onto the practice squad. But I really think Ento has an opportunity to make this team. And that's mm-hmm. something that I probably wouldn't have said a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, that's got to be one of the funnest parts of the offseason. And as you kind of transition into the preseason and camp, is that there's no one can predict who it's going to be, but there's always one, two, maybe even three guys. That just like nobody could have predicted, like no one would have said, yeah, there's a chance that this guy is going to be the guy, you know, that comes out of nowhere that they're just nobodies right to anyone until Mm -hmm. camp comes, they establish themselves. You start to hear their name a little bit and then boom. And we're going to mention a couple more of those names uh, throughout the rest of this show. Uh, But my goodness, Ento is a guy who has slowly climbed and is now uh, he's buzzing quite a bit heading into this preseason. Yeah. And tell me a fifth or a sixth corner doesn't matter. And I will
2: remind you that without the preseason that Sam Shields had as a UDFA, yeah. the Packers probably don't win the Super Bowl. My goodness. Um, and, you know, that that might be overstating Sam Shields importance to that team uh, to some people, but it's not at mm. all. That defense was phenomenal. And a mm-hmm. lot of that was because Sam Shields gave them the flexibility to move Charles Woodson around. Mm-hmm. you didn't have to play outside corner all the time and so that was a major major impact and then you you look um and when your fourth or fifth cornerback is Lidarius gunter and you get into some injury problems suddenly yeah. things are a huge problem so that those are positions that become really important you know um one thing i'm reminded of hard knocks this week mike mccarthy was talking about winning the super bowl with the packers and he said this is a 70 set or, or you know 2010 2011 it was a 77 man roster which apparently i can't say <laughs> but, <laughs> i stumbled through that twice 77 yeah so there were 77 players who participated during that year and that's something that we don't think about a lot um yeah. obviously that was an injury riddled season but still you know you're going to get into the 60s for sure you might get into the 70s Um, as an NFL team. So this depth is really important to evaluate, and that's why I love preseason football.
1: Yeah, and it's a really cool thing to see kind of a a Ted Thompson, Brian Gutekind's era come together where we always had these there was always room for those UDFAs to ascend because of the way that they built the roster with Ted Thompson. And a lot of guys would come to Green Bay as a UDFA because they knew that those guys legitimately got a shot, even if the Packers never spent premium draft capital on them, to make the roster. And so if you can kind of see, you know, the way Brian Gooden comes to Infuse this roster with talent through free agency, and if we can still get that DNA uh, from a Thompson era to kind of continue into this Gutekunst one, that would be pretty, pretty cool to see as well with some of these guys ascending. But the next guy that I'm really excited to get eyes on in live preseason play is kind of one of these guys, and it's wide receiver Jawan Winfrey. And an interesting fact here, overflowing from what Andrew has said, this is this is Jake Morley's content, so I have to be fair. This is not mine. Uh, Jake pointed this out on Twitter yesterday that Winfrey and KB and Ento were in the same class at Colorado together. Uh, they both played wide receiver there, and, of course, Ento is now a corner, as Andrew just said, but uh, now they are in camp facing each other against each other, which is just a pretty cool thing when you think about it. But uh, we started talking about Winfrey way back in June when he was already starting to stand out and make plays in the offseason program. Winfrey is six foot one. He's two hundred and ten pounds. He ran a four or five back at his Colorado Pro Day. And he's really, really just had kind of this rough path in the NFL. He's had multiple injuries. He was kicked off a team at Maryland for violating some team rules. It's been a rocky road all around, but the talent has always been there for Winfrey. The Denver Broncos actually traded up for Winfrey on day three of the 19. Wow, let's not go back to the last century 2019 draft. They <laughs> traded up for him. Uh, so his talent has been always recognized. He's always been known to have it. Uh, he's just got to kind of put it all together now that he's in the league and it seems to be, you know, something he's been able to do lately. Maybe he's making his own luck here in Green Bay. I don't know. It feels like Every single practice, there's just a wow, win-free play that gets tweeted out. Multiple people have commented about how well he gets off the line of scrimmage and seems to just be catching everything. And we know that the Packers, they're not going to keep more than six wide receivers max. They're keeping Adams, MVS, Lazard, Cobb, Amari. That really just leaves one spot, maybe, if they get to six wide receivers, that's really up for grabs here and Winfrey seems like the guy right now who would be pretty hard to cut at this point just the way that he's playing and the preseason is where he's going to have a chance to secure that spot and prove that he's worth stashing on the roster even when some other guys might have more special teams value and I think that's how gonna be how this all gets mixed in and who they finally decide on but really really excited to watch Jawan Winfrey uh, connect with Jordan Love hopefully a little bit over these weeks of the preseason. Yeah. And
2: I picked another wide receiver. This is absolutely no surprise to anybody who's ever heard me talk. Uh, <laughs> that is, that is Equinemius St. Brown. And if there is ever a time for ESB to shine, it is now. The The dude has all the talent in the world as I've preached and talked about and whatnot for <laughs> the, I mean, before he was even drafted yeah, I an mean, Equinemius St. Brown yeah. stan and but he just hasn't shown the consistency necessary to make a great pro. and and health has hindered that development. so if if the Packers do keep six wide receivers, and Kyle laid this out. So I'm not just going to repeat everything he said. But he you know e q is in that fight for the six and and probably outside, honestly, yeah. at at the moment. If cuts were today, yeah. I don't think he he makes the team. So, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle to prove you deserve a spot. And if they go with those six wide receivers, and you mentioned that's that's a big if, I think it comes down to St. Brown versus Winfrey versus Funchess. Mm. And mm. not all of those guys are going to make the team. Yeah. Uh, maybe none of them do. And not everybody's going to make it to the practice squad. Yeah. Um. So that wide receiver position is going to be really interesting because I think there's some guys mm. just below those three that probably are practice squad bound. I think whoever gets cut here probably is going to get an opportunity on another team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Malik Taylor is the other guy that like, yep. we haven't valued a lot. And I know we didn't last year headed through this process. And the I Packers, still don't. Yeah, I know the Packers really do though. And so he, I think he's the guy uh, to keep an eye on too, as we go through this. And I think the Packers know that, Cobb is probably not here next year. So they have to see beyond the present to see, you know, like if we only keep five, what does that do for down the road? So that's going to be a really, really interesting, you know, we always watch the shiny object, right? And wide receivers are the shiny object, but it really, really is a position to watch in this preseason. But I pride myself, Andrew, on trying not to give up on players too quickly. Uh, Last year, you know, I was all but out On MVS, just kind of thinking that we had seen what we were going to get with him, that he was always going to be this wildly inconsistent player with crazy speed, who was going to be the next coming of, you know, the great Randy Moss, but it would have these flash plays, but who would never turn into more than that and then he really seemed to kind of be fueled by his own mistakes and he really turned it on late in the season and did some really nice things and so I'm hoping that that's an instance of me giving up on a player too soon but this is an example because this is not about MBS. Jace Sternberger is another player that I was beginning to wonder if maybe we had just kind of seen the best of Jace and he was going to be that next third round bust but all things out of camp so far, make it sound like Stern has really found his way and is playing really, really, really well. And I think we all know that the future of the tight end position is is kind of up in the air right now, right? Tanyan is playing on a one-year deal. Mercedes Lewis is, he's old. <laughs> so he's more likely to retire sooner than later. And so uh, development from someone like Jace would be absolutely huge, not only for this year in 2021, but for the next couple of years after. And so I can't wait to see if he can make a big splash in the preseason and prove some doubters wrong. And I include myself in that and that he can maybe be a big contributor for this team this year.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: You picked a wide receiver. Then I picked a wide receiver. You picked a tight end. Now I picked a tight end. Uh, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Josiah DeGuara. Nice. And I, I clearly, I'm enamored with the second year players who never got their chance to play in preseason last year. And I think you know you add in that DeGuara's season got cut short due to injury, and there is a ton of mystery surrounding the former Cincinnati tight end. I think personally, having a second tight end or H back that can make plays could vault this offense into the stratosphere. Like, think, think of how dangerous the 49ers were with Kittle and Usech coming out in the flats and down the seams. And that was with Jimmy G and a pretty lackluster set of wide receivers. So the Packers offense could be just absolutely filthy if Deguara can reach his potential. And those preseason reps are going to be incredibly valuable if he can get cleared and the Packers are willing to let him play. If not, you know, building back that report with number 12 is going to be the key to a fast start for Deguara in what I think is going to be a really important role with this offense. And certainly we know Sternberger is not going to be available early on in the season. And so that's Deguara's opportunity to really step in and contribute. Now, if they start getting contributions out of both these guys, watch out. (laughs) I don't even know what that would mean, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that, that second tight end or, or H back role. I mean, Dominic Daphne was having big production and like, yeah. No offense to Dominique, who seems like a phenomenal human being, but he is not anywhere near the talent level of DeGuar or Sternberger. So, Correct, yeah. Um, you know, we could see a, even the next step in this evolution of mm-hmm. this offense that was already number one in the NFL last year.
1: Yeah, it could be really fun. And I, I don't, you know, I hope Tiny is here for the next Forever, I mean, he's a great player. But if Jace were to have to fill that role, and DeGuara could do some of those H-back, you know, fullback, creative things, it could be just kind of like a seamless transition of more production from the tight end position, if all things hit and this works out. So exciting again to watch that position, but. This next group I'm going to talk about started as one player, Andrew, but I don't want you to be able to just take another player from the same (laughs) position because this is getting really old. So I'm going to talk about basically a whole position here. I wanted to talk about Vernon Scott, but as I got into this, the reality is it can't be just about one player because this is about one roster spot, and that's the third safety for this football team. Um, It's really exciting to have a starting safety duo of Amos And Savage, you get really good players in that duo. You're pretty excited about that group. But the Packers' third third safety spot is a great, great safety combination right now. It's a great competition, rather. And I'm excited to watch all these guys. Christian Uphoff, Henry Black, Will Redman, and Vernon Scott is the guy that I was expecting to win this third safety job at the end of the day. But all these guys have made solid impressions at different points in camp. And from the way things sound, you can sprinkle in a guy named Ines Gaines. Ines. Ines, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ines Gaines. Apparently, this guy is good, right? We talk about these guys who come out of nowhere every year and just show up and, and win a job. Ines Gaines. Who was he a couple weeks ago, right? Nobody knew who this was. Andy Herman has openly said that Gaines has been the best UDFA in camp, which is kind of crazy and unexpected. But this safety group is going to be one of the best camp battles to watch. And Vernon Scott – he showed up pretty good last year in limited reps. Um, with another season under his belt, I think that that will just continue. I think he's ready for that leap in his second year. But it's interesting, Andrew, that Scott was listed behind both Henry Black and Will Redmond on the Packers' first first depth chart that they just released. So regardless, the safety room is really crowded, and so I am not sure that there's a more important position maybe to watch in these exhibition games and safety, because whoever that guy is, he's going to play a lot of snaps for this defense.
2: Yeah. And Andy and Ben Fenelon one Monday, were talking about how Amos has been, been lining up a lot in that dime linebacker role. And mm. then they're floating in that third safety. Yeah. And um, Andy talked a little bit about what that rotation has looked like so far, but that position could potentially be sort of a pseudo starter yeah. Um, you know, even though we we may not have a lot of name recognition at that third safety, it's it's good to see that there's some guys stepping up and uh, providing some quality depth there. Um, I'm gonna switch over to the defense line since you stole the entire safety group, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna talk about T.J. Slayton, who we both know and love. And you know, I've been clamoring for years for the Packers to get a giant run-stuffing beast in the middle to spell Kenny Clark, and Slayton is that dude. I'm already I'm already declaring he's that dude. Uh, You know, (laughs) I just want to see him throwing around second, third string offense alignment all preseason long. (laughs) This guy is going to eat gaps for breakfast. And quite frankly... (laughs) He needs to because this defensive line group is the weak spot of the defense. And as Ben Solak said last week, if Slayton is good enough to stay on the field and rundowns, it's going to mean a much fresher Kenny Clark at the end of the year. So TJ needs to spend the preseason showing coach Barry, that he deserves to be on the field all year long. And, you know, I I just want him, I don't expect him to be able to rush the passer from day Mm -hmm. one. Just come in there, be that Grady Jackson or, um, Somebody else. <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> who's, who's the guy who hit Prime Ben Roethlisberger's snacks, arm? Well, Prime Z- But who's the guy who hit Ben Roethl- Roethlisberger's arm in the Super Bowl that led to the Nick Collins pick six? Why can't I think of his name? That's right. Thanks Vince for the help, Wilfork? Kyle. What? Was
1: Vince Wilfork on that team? No, Vince Wilfork was not a Packer. I'm going to have oh, to edit right. this out now. <laughs> Because that was sorry, embarrassing I, for you. I was half listening and thinking you were talking about a different Super Bowl and No, I,
2: when when Nick Collins had the pick six. Oh, somebody um, hit Ben. Johnny Jolly. For, no, it wasn't Johnny Jolly. But Johnny Jolly is a great keep example. Guessing so. random
1: defensive no, line. No, I don't.
2: I don't. But just go ahead. I'm gonna look it up while you're talking. Okay, fine.
1: Brian Pickett.
2: No, it wasn't Ryan Pickett, but another great example. This part of the show is terrible, and you need to talk about your next player. So quit bothering.
0: Uh, okay,
1: fine. Alright. CJ Wilson? No. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Talk about I'll talk Ben Braden. I'm talk about Ben Braden, fine. One of the biggest surprises of this offseason, Jeez, man. Find out who that is. It's killing me. Um... One of the biggest surprises was when Adam Stenovich stated that Ben Braden had a legitimate chance to start at guard for the Packers this season. Uh, Braden is relatively unknown by most fans and he's several years into his NFL career, but uh, the Packers coaching staff has praised Braden and seems to love his work ethic. Really? The Packers have Elton Jenkins, Lucas Patrick and second year player, John Runyon jr. Who many would have assumed would be ahead of him, right? For these snaps at guard. And so it's going to be really, really interesting to see if he can actually push to start and, I think what's more important, maybe though, is that Braden could prove to be a really, really valuable depth piece. Even if he doesn't start, if he's someone who can come in and play high quality. Um, at, at the guard spot, that is huge for this this offensive line throughout the course of the season. You know you're going to have some injuries pop up, and having someone who could step in and keep things going smoothly would be absolutely huge. So I will be paying attention to Ben Braden when he's on the field, even though no one gets really excited to pay attention to the offensive line, right? But I do think that he is one that we should definitely make note of as we watch this preseason. But I'm just dying to know if you have found anything about this defensive lineman that you claim is existing that I apparently am blanking on right now. He
2: wore number ninety-five. I just watched the the video, oh, but I didn't turn off. Yeah, he was he was a free agent pickup in the early part of the season, and it is driving me insane that and I can You don't know who name. it is? No. Okay. But we anyways. Thought... <laughs> anyways. Uh, there. That that's our ten players um, that we're keeping an eye on. And just to recap, we have Jordan Love, Kylan Hill, K. B. Ento, Juwan Winfrey, Equinomia St. Brown, Jay Stermerger, Josiah Deguara, Vernon Scott, T. J. Slayton, and Ben Braden. And I just wanted to add a couple of guys for the honorable mention. Uh, one for me is going to be Chris Barnes, the linebacker. And you know to me it's like can he be the leader on the defense i'm not asking him to be a superstar but can he step up make sure the players get lined up in the proper position um and and really be like the the guy who's on the field all the time that's asking a lot out of a udfa in his second year but I think he could potentially step into that role. Uh, will he play this preseason? I don't know. I think him not playing actually tells quite a story about the importance um, to him on this team. But I'm, I'm guessing with the players trying to get used to that Joe Barry scheme, we're going to see a decent amount of the the uh, first-string defensive players. Maybe not Jair, maybe not Zedarius, but... Uh, maybe not Kenny Clark, but I, I think the rest of the team just to get those reps in um, under a new system will probably see a decent amount. And then finally, you know, no no secret that my love affection for Edge John Garvin um, is has been there since before he got drafted. And for me, him developing as the fourth edge is a key to keeping the other guys fresh. And then. You know, his burst and his bend bring something that's a little unique to those other three players who who kind of rely primarily on their power and then their their burst is their secondary move. I think John Garvin gives you a little bit more juice off the edge and could be a really, really fun um, aspect to that, too. So
1: a couple of additional bonus picks for uh, our top ten. Really, really fun. I think John Garvin, You, I mean, you've been talking about him forever as someone that was kind of one of your guys, and I do think that that's going to be a fun... Just, we, we know who the top guys are at Edge, but to see how the rest of that room comes together is going to be really fun. Okay, so I have my producer do some serious working here, and I've come up with the name Howard Green. That's it. Howard that's Green. That's it. I win. All right. So yeah. Howard Green was age 31 in 2010 from Louisiana State. Yeah, I couldn't. Again. I just
2: couldn't remember his name, but he was he was really impactful. Uh, and that that's a perfect example of that like seventieth guy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like out of seventies, like he was a he was a midseason pickup, um, and then was just a phenomenal run stuffer. Um, really helped to to spell BJ Raji at times. Mm-hmm. At times they were on the field together, um, and then you know in probably the most important situation in his life comes up with the deflection that leads to the Nick Collins interception Uh pick six that ended up being one of the colossal moments in Packers Super Bowl history.
1: Hey, at least CJ Wilson and um Ryan Pickett were both on that roster. Like I was like, at least in the yeah. realm of what is possible. So
2: yeah, no, we'll just- I
1: just, I, I couldn't think who I what what his name was No, make a picture. Him. I'm so. glad that we finally arrived there and that we blundered our way through that and I mentioned a Patriots defensive tackle just for fun. So that was good.
3: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I'm so, not editing that you know, out just that way. Andrew Andrew, you did uh, get, you know, a couple of extra honorable mentions, so so do I. I'm gonna be looking at a couple guys here, Amari Rogers and Kylan Hill. Um, are going to get some special teams work, fielding punts and kicks in the preseason. And it feels like Green Bay has been looking for some guys in those spots for a couple seasons, and it will be really, really fun to watch these rookies, Um, but especially, I think, Amari, let's be honest, in that crisp number eight back there doing some of those things. And it's going to be fun. It's going to happen soon. Tomorrow, everybody, if you're listening to this on Friday, preseason game number one, don't miss it against those Houston Texans Saturday night. Yeah, I can't believe
2: they gave away Tim Massey's number eight to Amari Rogers. That is despicable. Hard to believe. <laughs> uh, anyways, you got away with mentioning Kylan Hill twice for some reason, yep. so I guess uh, you can't give me too much trouble for having honorable mentions. Uh, but anyways, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Putnam. You can find me at Andrew Murdig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back getting you ready for preseason game number two. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember.